Attention Northwest Arkansas businesses and talent seekers. Introducing Onboard NWA.com, your hyperlocal job board crafted for our unique community. Struggling to find the perfect match for your job openings? Onboard NWA simplifies the hiring process, connecting you with the region's top talent through tailored talent matching solutions. Whether you're an employer seeking expertise or a professional looking for your next opportunity, Onboard NWA is here for you. Discover more at onboardnwa.com and let's build the future of Northwest Arkansas together. Northwest Arkansas, Randy here, bringing you a quick word from our sponsor, Signature Bank of Arkansas. Since 2005, Signature Bank has been all about empowering our community with local ownership and top-notch banking services. Signature Bank's roots run deep with assets over a billion dollars, and they're right here in your backyard with branches in Bentonville, Rogers, Springdale, Fayetteville, and now including Harrison and Jonesboro. With a growing family of more than 200 teammates, they're ready to serve you with the warmth only a true community bank can offer. And they've got Banco C, the first bilingual bank in Arkansas, to ensure that banking is for everyone. So give Signature Bank a call at 479-684-3700 or visit Signature.Bank online. Mention you heard about them on the I Am Northwest Arkansas podcast for that personal touch. Signature Bank of Arkansas. Big on assets, local at heart, and a proud member of the FDIC and an equal housing lender. It's time for another episode of I Am Northwest Arkansas, the podcast covering the intersection of business, culture, entrepreneurship, and life in general here in the Ozarks. Whether you are considering a move to this area or trying to learn more about the place you call home, we've got something special for you. Here's our host, Randy Wilburn. Hey folks, and welcome back to another episode of I Am Northwest Arkansas. I'm your host, Randy Wilburn, and I'm excited to be with you today. I am here in the Furman Garner Performance Studio at KUAF. Excited to have this partnership with KUAF and excited to remember that our episodes air on Ozarks at Large every Tuesday at 12 and at 7. So you can hear a clip from the latest I Am Northwest Arkansas episode on KUAF. So we are so excited to have that partnership and we really appreciate what KUAF is doing in our community as a public radio station. But listen, today I have got a very, very special episode for you and I want to set it up this way. I got a call from a guy that reached out to me and, you know, I've told you many a time on this podcast, I'm from Jersey. So whenever you get a call from somebody else that's from Jersey, you got to answer the call. And an individual named Chris Martinovic, who I'm going to I'm going to really introduce in a second, reached out to me and said, hey, 
I'm here in this area. I wanted to connect with you because, you know, I've heard about the podcast. I like what you're doing and I'm working on a plan. I want to start a soccer program here in Northwest Arkansas. And at the time, it was like in the middle of the pandemic, we ended up talking. I remember the whole conversation and I said, wow, you know, this sounds great. And I said, well, we got to get together. And we never got together. That was the crazy thing. We never were able to get together just because life happens sometimes. And then all of a sudden, I hear all these rumblings about something major happening in Rogers, but nobody could talk about it. It was like there was an embargo and nobody could like open up their mouths to say, I don't know exactly what's going on, but something big is about to happen. And of course, I kept hearing over time and People that are, are, and I'm using air quotes now, in the know, kept saying to me, hey, there's, there's going to be something really big in Rogers very soon. And people kept reaching out to me saying, hey, are you going to talk about this or what? What?" And I said, yeah, we'll, eventually I will do that. And so I'm so excited to sit here with Chris Martinovic, who is one of the founders of USL Arkansas, along with Wes Harris who is the first employee of USL Arkansas. And this is the first soccer program, soccer team based in Northwest Arkansas. And so we are having pro, we have the Naturals, which is is an affiliate of a major league baseball team, but I believe it's the Royals. And so it's exciting to think that we are now going to have a pro soccer team right in our own backyards in Northwest Arkansas. I don't have to travel up to Kansas anymore to see a soccer match. And so I'm really excited. But without further ado, I want to welcome Chris Martinovic and Wes Harris to the I Am Northwest Arkansas podcast. Gentlemen, thank you so much for taking time out of your crazily busy schedule to be with us today on the podcast. How are you doing? Great. Thanks so much for having us, Randy. You've done amazing with this show and I'm honored and excited to be on it and and just tell our story and keep help growing the community. Yeah. I mean, that's what it's all about. So, and Wes, I mean, I'm glad that you're here too. And and certainly as employee number one of USL Arkansas, I mean, you're going to have some real stories to tell over the years as, as you continue to grow this. Thanks for having me, Randy. And it certainly has been a wild ride even to get to this point and it's only getting started. So we're excited. Yeah. Well, I'm excited too. And so I want to jump into this and I want to, you know, for the audience, for the uninitiated, right? Because when you think of soccer and we're in Arkansas, in the South, and so anybody listening to this that's outside of this area, if you're on the coast and you're thinking about moving to Arkansas and soccer is already a big deal where you are, well, this is, this story should inform you about where we are, right? I mean, this is the land of football and basketball and baseball, not necessarily soccer, right? And that's kind of how it was in the U.S. as a whole, right? And so, but what people don't realize and what I came to realize as my kids played soccer and as I have family members that are involved in soccer is that soccer is the biggest sport in the world. And, you know, let's just be clear about that. But we just, we don't think of it that way because we're in the U.S., and I think as time moves on, that continues to change. That con- that the just the idea of what soccer represents to the United States continues to change. Of course, we've seen the dominance of the U.S. women's soccer team, and they're right in the throes as, as we're recording this in the throes of the first round of the World Cup down in Auckland and in Australia. And they are they've been doing amazing things. I think they've won the World Cup four times or three times, if I'm four times. So. Yeah, I don't want to shortchange them. And they, they have some amazing stars and, you know, they're they're getting equal pay with the men and, and all kinds of cool stuff is, are happening as far as that's concerned. But but soccer is growing and it's only going to get bigger. And I'm excited to see that it's going to have a foothold here in Northwest Arkansas beyond just local club teams that exist. So 
I know that's a lot, but but Chris, I would love for you just to give us a cliff note version of your initial journey into USL Arkansas. Sure. Thanks, Randy, again for the time. I'd love to step back just for a second and talk about what you just brought up in the intro, which is soccer in America. There's, there's a few key moments of this sport, and it'll link up to Arkansas. Just bear with me for a few seconds. You think about the game and, and the men's side. The women's have been dominant for World Cups. The men's have really lagged that, right? Over the years, we've been a nation that has lagged behind other countries in terms of soccer. 1950 was a World Cup that we did really well in, and then we didn't make a World Cup till 1990. And that was a really big one because it really started to grow the sport. And that led to one of the biggest moments in U.S. soccer, which was the 1994 World Cup that was hosted in America. Still to this day, the largest attended World Cup in the history of World Cups. Period. Think about that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Now, you know, granted, we had massive football stadiums that we hosted them at, and but the numbers don't lie. That's still a, a fact. And so the other key element that happened after the 1904 World Cup was 1996 was the origin of the MLS. So now we had a sustainable, financially supported league that was playing in Division One of U.S. soccer. And they started to attract the U.S. players. They had opportunity for college players to go and play. And then international players also started to come. And so this league, uh, since 1996, has grown rapidly. The USL came into the mix in the U.S. soccer landscape officially in, uh, let's say, about 12, 13 years ago. There was iterations of the USL before, but this current ownership group, which is led by the Papadakis family, they acquired this league about 13-ish years ago. Since then, it has become the fastest growing league in America. And the reason why the USL has done really well is that they've been able to go and provide an opportunity to the markets that would never have an opportunity for professional sports. And what they really focus on is, is strong communities that are growing and have maybe a population base that wouldn't meet the criteria for the major market leagues. Okay, So MLS goes into the NFL, NBA, MLB type of markets. Think top 30, think big media. Yeah. USL has done really well from 30 to 100. Okay. And that's where they've excelled. And by the way, we just became 100 officially. <laughs> but as we speak, that's probably changing in the last few minutes as more people probably moved into Northwest that's Arkansas, right. as that's we know. Right. And so we have a tremendous setup here for our team. And so the idea started in 2019. I was fortunate. I played in what was the old USL years ago after I played college soccer at Seton Hall University. Shout out to Jersey. There you go. And I was able to keep in touch with the game and through coaching and playing and a lot of contacts that I have that were on the national team, MLS players, college coaches, USL coaches, and always stayed connected. And through those connections in, in 2019, I reached out to the president of uh, USL and I said, you know, this is an amazing market we have in Northwest Arkansas. Fast growing, corporate support, geographically very diverse, people moving all over from metropolitan areas. In fact, global transplants coming in to support our large Fortune 500 companies and, and made the pitch that, you know, this is a market that USL would really want to get behind. The first reaction was neutral. Nah, it's kind <laughs> of a small market. We're looking for something bigger. At that time, we were not even in the 100, right? And so they were looking for bigger markets. And so they said, let me take it back. And so in about two days, they did some demographic research and started to look at the market. And they called me back and said, hey, when can we come visit the market? Oh. <laughs> and, and so that was the official first time they, they came and did a market analysis, which happened in early 2019. And so quickly they realized the uniqueness of Northwest Arkansas, as we all did, right? 
And uh, I came here in 2007. I thought I'd be here for 18 months. And now it's 2023 and we're still here. And this is a similar story that hundreds and thousands of us can tell, right? And so we love the community. We've, we've chosen to raise our family here. And um, the one piece of area that I really struggled with when I moved here was a lack of professional sports. Yeah, This was the drive to kind of have this idea. We have a great community. We have so much to offer and we're offering more and more every single day. But as we continue to try to attract and retain top level talent, having things like professional sports is a great additive element to that community. And so that was the original kind of starting point of of this idea. Where Wes comes into play was about two years ago. I was uh, telling a friend of mine the story of USL Arkansas and my idea and what we're going to do. And he knew nothing about soccer, never kicked a ball, never watched a game. And uh, (laughs) he, but he quickly said, I know this guy (laughs) who you need to talk to. And it was 10 o'clock on Friday night and he called Wes and Wes stopped what he was doing, which was actually working and came to the house. And we talked for about three hours that night. And I quickly realized that Wes is probably even more passionate about the sport than I am, which if that's even possible, right? It it, it was, I realized quickly that it was possible, but I didn't think it was before. And that was the origination of the partnership with Wes and his engagement. And then we stayed connected with watch parties and through programs and initiatives. And he said, hey, when you guys are ready, when things are moving forward, I'd love to be a part of this. Yeah. And so um, eventually we, we've hired Wes as actually the first employee of USL Arkansas, which is extremely exciting and just shows how much work is ahead of us and work has been done on Wes's part that we've, uh, we've needed to add more staff. The last piece of the equation was Warren Smith. Yeah. And so I'd be remiss if I didn't, didn't talk about Warren. So Warren brings the expertise to this. Warren has done this three times where he's worked with franchises, started, operated, and invested and executed really successful professional sports teams. Once in minor league baseball, two in USL. Minor league baseball was in Sacramento, one of the most successful minor league baseball teams, the Rivercats. Then he's founded the Sacramento Republic Football Club, which is one of the most successful USL franchises out there, was actually awarded an MLS franchise because of the success that they received that they had. And then the last team he helped found was the San Diego Loyal, which was co-founded with a guy named Landon Donovan. U.S. soccer fans might be familiar. Probably the most famous uh, U.S. soccer player in the last uh, X number of years. And they had a really successful team, which that market is also becoming an MLS market. And so Warren now stepped away from operations, but is helping markets and communities like us launch expansion franchises. Sure. The beautiful part for us is that Warren has been coming to Northwest Arkansas for 30 years. His parents and grandparents moved here. And complete um, (laughs) luck for me was that the USL League reached out to me uh, during COVID. Warren was in the market. They said, hey, this guy, Warren Smith is here. And I said, this guy, I know this guy, like he's pretty famous in the USL world. And we went and had coffee and we sat outside. It was the middle of COVID and it was winter. And we just talked and I said, Warren, I have a ton of passion for what we're doing. I love the community. I have a great soccer background. I have a good business background, but I have a large gap in terms of how do we actually launch an expansion franchise. And so I knew what I didn't know. And Warren was that missing piece. And so fast forward, Warren stepped away from operations, San Diego Loyal. Me and him joined the partnership, formed the originations of USL Arkansas in 2022. And so he is now working directly with us. And then we brought Wes on board as well. So that's the origin story of, of where, we, where we've kind of come to today. 
Yeah. Call you guys the triumvirate of excellence. So, yeah, the three of you together. <laughs> that's a, that's so. a very generous thing. Yes. Yeah, so, that. no, I mean, no, but seriously, though, I mean, I think it's important because, I mean, you said a couple of things that I think shouldn't be lost on anyone. One is we can never do something by ourselves. You got to do it with other people. Number one. And I'm reminded of this because as I'm even as I'm rolling out a new business that I've been working on, Onboard NWA, Hyperlocal Job Board coming soon to a website near you. I recognize that it is it's incumbent upon you to have surround yourself with really amazing people. And honestly, to surround yourself with people that are even smarter than you. Right. Isn't that what Steve Jobs said? Just surround yourself with people that are smarter than you, then get the hell out of their way so they can do what they need to do. So. And that's the mark of a great leader. And so I I think that you have uh, exhibited that level of understanding of, A, what your shortcomings are and where you need to fill in the gaps. Was there anything specifically in your background, Chris, from a business perspective that was perfectly suited for this endeavor? Yeah, it's interesting. So I, I was uh, I came here as a supplier of Walmart. I was working with Bayer Consumer Healthcare. It's a little was, uh, company up in Benton. Yeah, 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 yeah. Pretty big business. Uh, big <laughs> brands like Aspirin and Claritin and One of the Vitamins and Aleve and really exciting business. But it was a big corporation and it wasn't the perfect fit for me. I'm a I'm much more on the entrepreneurial side. And what happened over the last five years was I actually switched from the supplier community from a large organization to a small startup private equity company. And that unleashed this startup mentality in me and this entrepreneurial spirit in me. We were a small organization, $30 million in revenue, had about 10 employees, and now we're about $300 million in revenue. And we have about 35, 40 employees. And that company is called Arcadia Consumer Healthcare. That's my day job. Okay. And that just started to unleash this, wow, you, if you get the right people together, and that's why we've been successful in that organization is the right people and the right brands. You can do things that maybe you never thought were possible. And so when you work for big companies, it's hard to move the needle. Yeah. Uh, you're, you're a cog in the wheel. It's hard to drive change. It's hard to be innovative. And so that bug started getting with me in, in 2019 when I, when I made that switch. And you're right, building the team is, is all. And so beyond the three of us, we've engaged four to 500 people in our community over the last four years. Yeah. Discussions, gauging interest, seeing who wants to be more of a part of this. Who else should we talk to? Give me your ideas. What do you think that we should be pursuing? Where should we be looking for land? That's a whole different story that we can talk about. <laughs> and, and, and we should touch on that because we think we have the perfect location. You do. But that was a big, big process, sure. that part of it. I'm getting the location. But getting that community support and engaging business leaders. There's a lot of successful people in Northwest Arkansas. And man, we leaned into that heavily before we made anything formal and, and really you know, launched this thing. It was a lot of build up and building community and building support. First person I ever talked to told me it was a terrible idea. <laughs> then I talked to 400 other people who said, Absolutely great idea. Yeah. And, I think I said it was a good idea. I, Grant, I did, you were on board yes, very early. Yeah, I, I said very it was early. a good idea. Yeah, yeah. early adopter. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So, well, I mean, that speaks volumes. Would you say, and I've asked a lot of other people that have started jobs here, started businesses here, that this is an open environment in terms of people being willing to help out and make connections and make introductions. You may not know somebody, but you know somebody that knows somebody that then they open the door. I always say there's like two degrees of separation here in Northwest Arkansas. 
Wes can answer that. It's perfect. Yeah, you're you're spot on. You're a hundred percent correct. And that's one of the things, honestly, that you know, I'm as one of the things that I am doing right now with the club is uh, in the initiatives is these listening sessions out in the community. I heard about those. And I heard yeah, you're yeah, talking actually, to everybody. We actually have one here in Fayetteville tonight at the Fayetteville Public Library, in okay. fact, and three others this week. <laughs> but you bring up a point, which is why Chris pointed at me to talk about it, is that's one of the things that is so consistent about why people love Northwest Arkansas. Yeah. And it's not just, and you actually touched on kind of the business side of things and, and starting a new, a new business, or if you're an existing business and you have a problem, people are so willing and, and able to help out. And through their connections, it's not the six degrees of Kevin Bacon, it's the 1.5 here in NWA. And it's so true. But it's people love it from the aspect of, you know, over 60% of the people that live here aren't from here. They're right. from around the world. Exactly. And so what are the things that you want to know when you move to a new place? I want to know who a doctor to go to, a good restaurant, schools, babysitters, lawn care, whatever. And because so many people are from somewhere else, they have this just natural pay it forward. The community helped me. I want to help pay that forward to somebody that I meet that's new to the area. Yeah. But I think that that also translates to your point to the business community. And it's just embedded within the culture here in Northwest Arkansas. And is honestly, you find aspects of that around the world and in different parts of the country, but not to the point that it's so woven within the fabric of the community like I think it is here. Yeah. And I mean, you, that is a really, really good point to bring up. And again, I think that as people continue to come here, what they find out very quickly is that, wow, this place is different mm-hmm. and people are different. People are nicer yeah. and people aren't territorial about their ideas. And if you have an idea, they will encourage you or, or maybe discourage you. But in most cases, I would say it's more encouragement than anything else. Yeah. And that's very helpful. And I remember when I started this podcast, it was the podcast that I would have wanted to listen to when I moved here in 2013, but it didn't exist. So I said, well, let me create it. And then everybody else was like, oh, this was a great idea. Then they were like, man, you should have done this sooner. And I'm like, well, you know, it's it happened when it was supposed to happen. Exactly. And now here we are, right? Because exactly. people could say, oh, we should have had soccer sooner because soccer has become a, a big thing here. And, and I think it's, it's important to understand. And the only reason why I even understand soccer, even remotely, because I'm just, so I'm 54. I grew up in the 80s. When I grew up in, in Northern New Jersey and Teaneck, soccer wasn't a big deal. As a matter of fact, we didn't think much of the guys that played soccer. I'm just being honest, right? If you didn't play football or basketball or baseball, and really it was football or basketball, right? it was just everything else was like, ah, okay, whatever. It was like soccer was inter- intramurals. But the reality was, was that it has taken on a lifeblood when people recognize how great the sport is. And I didn't fully embrace it until my son, my youngest son, who has played at a fairly high level, he plays on a travel team. We've been all over the country with him. But when I got to see it and really appreciate it, I still can't quite articulate what offsides is, but that's a whole nother conversation. We'll have a, we'll have so a separate podcast. We'll have a separate that. podcast for that. Neither but, can FIFA. Don't worry. No, I know. I know. I know. So I'm thinking, man, there's got to be some technology that, that lets people know right away that, oh, they're offsides, you know, yeah. but the bottom line is that I just, I have a newfound appreciation for soccer, which I didn't have even when I moved here. And then being around a bunch of the other parents and I have of good friends now that played soccer in college and very passionate about the sport and just talk about what the sport represents to them. And so I'm excited just for that simple reason. Here's the question that I have for you guys. And, and this is kind of um, 
This is something that I think a lot of people that are listening to this need to understand the benefit of having USL Arkansas right here in our own backyard. And that is simply that we finally have a chance to create a feeder for the sport of soccer, right? When you think of it like, so for instance, I I mentioned the Naturals, that is a minor league team. So team players matriculate through that program before they get to the, you know, Major League Baseball. In the same way, we need to have in the U.S. more opportunities for feeder programs, because when you look at other countries and the way that they do soccer, which I've just learned about recently, it's a whole different bro. It's, it's basically from birth to death. You have you have a very intricate program where kids, you know, depending on what their level of skill set and ability, they have a place where they can plug in. And we don't we still don't quite have that here. We're getting there because it's kind of disjointed. There's so many different groups and all that. And I think the thing that people in Northwest Arkansas need to recognize is that just the presence of USL Arkansas in Northwest Arkansas is going to be a cohesive force of creating some type of strategy where in the next five or 10 years, you're going to have some serious young people come out of this region because of the program that you guys are about to put into place. Yeah. If you think back to the 80s, most of the soccer players, well, me and you grew up in towns in New Jersey that weren't soccer towns. No. Jersey was a hotbed for soccer it in was. the 80s. Yeah. Well, Carney, uh, Cri- those type of towns. Uh, what Carney was, was, it, what was that USA. goalie? Christopher Melli. Um, Mule, Tony Miola. Tony Miola. John Harks, right, yeah. Tab Ramos. These right. are guys that yes. <laughs> like, were a couple years older than me. I knew them. Still talk to John Harks to, to this day. He's actually a coach in USL, okay. by the way. He was on that 89 U.S. men's national team that got the team to the World Cup. These were the pioneers. Half of the national team almost was from New Jersey at the time. It was California, New Jersey. That's what it was in the 80s. If you lived in central parts of America, southern parts of America, there wasn't a lot of opportunity. Fast forward to now, and you think of, again, you have an MLS in the top 30 markets. There are so many other players outside of those markets that are now having opportunities and USL is a big part of that because they're going to those second tier markets in terms of population size. Yeah. And there yeah. are numerous examples of players that are going through a USL youth academy to an opportunity to play on a USL team, which, by the way, you have a much better chance to play and succeed on a USL team than going to an MLS team yeah. where you're going to be challenging for playing time versus players that played in World Cups from Italy and Croatia <laughs> and Spain and Brazil that right. are coming to the MLS, right? Yeah, With yeah. a lot of money and big contracts. So it's really hard to break in through those academies. Chance most of those players that go through MLS academies end up going somewhere else to play. Yeah. To get their chance. Yeah. USL actually provides a great platform for that player that maybe doesn't want to go to college and wants to pursue this. Or maybe they do want to go to college and they'll come and play afterwards, right? Right. Right. And there's multiple now examples of national team players. Uh, we've had two players from Louisville City FC just recently, which is one of the most successful USL clubs at the championship level, transferred and sold players to European clubs for high fees. So now that is a new revenue stream and a market that the rest of the world has been doing for years is develop a player, leverage that player to go off, give that player an opportunity to go and play for a bigger club, get some financial benefit out of that, reinvest that back in the club and go produce more talent. And it's a business cycle from the standpoint of how do you keep a club 
that is not called Manchester United or Bayern Munich or Juventus or these monster clubs? How do you keep the rest of the world clubs in, in play? And it's through youth development and moving players and giving them opportunity to kill you playing. And so we're in the baby stages of that in the U.S., but it's night and day from what it was. And we have talent in Northwest Arkansas. So I coached for many years, West coaches currently right now. We had teams that competed at national levels. Yeah. Yeah. Competed. Yeah. But we would, we would have a really tough time when we went and played teams from Texas and California and New York. Yeah. But we could compete and beat teams from Oklahoma and some other regional areas, right? Oh, yeah. If you were at a good enough talent, you could actually do that. The challenge was that at about 14 to 15, if a player was really, really serious, they left our region. Sure. We lost so much talent. They went to other MLS academies in Kansas and yeah. Dallas. Or Houston, ECNL programs. ECNL on the yeah. women's side, Tulsa is a huge draw huge. For, for the girls' side, right? Yeah. And so, in fact, if you talk to Coach Colby Hale, he rarely recruits somebody from Arkansas. He likes to, but most of his talent is, some of his talent is players that left from Arkansas, played for other ECNL, and then he brings them back after they got to play at the high level because that's what it takes. They have to play at those highest levels to, to elevate their game. And so this, we don't know what our youth structure looks like yet. We have a lot of discussions <laughs> with our youth partners. Mm-hmm. All of the clubs in Northwest Arkansas have been engaged in our first listening session, actually. Yeah, they were that was a priority. And even over the last several years, I've had discussions with most of the big clubs, giving them an update, letting them know what we're doing, letting yeah, them know our progress. Yeah. What we want to do is be additive to the community here and give an opportunity for higher level talent to have an opportunity to play together and compete at a higher level. Yeah. We'll figure out what that form looks like in the future. Most of that will be driven by what the local youth clubs want to do. And so we're in the middle of those discussions. But there is so much talent on the men's and women's side here. If you look at what Colby Hale has done on the Lady Razorback teams, I and mean, we were a top 5, 10 program every single year, who some games can draw several thousand people, oh, yeah. which is in the top three or four in America for women's college soccer. It's a big like deal. It's, it's like Carolina, Notre Dame, and like Stanford. Yeah. yeah. And then yeah. us. Like, I mean, we're, it's pretty remarkable, which again is another data point that says we're on to something here. Like there is an opportunity if we're getting that many people to go watch those events, there was an opportunity because we're talking about men's and women's professional soccer here, right? Sure. And so there's a lot that we can build off of here. This is just going to give them the next step in the platform. Yeah. yeah Chris touched on something and, and just to add to it and kind of put into context. So we talked earlier about MLS doing great within the top 30 media markets and how USL has done a great job saying, you know what, there's a lot more country that has a lot more population that loves pro soccer or pro sports. And we're going to go and serve those communities and give them something to go to and and enjoy and watch and be a part of. And it's not just from that standpoint, because everything that Chris just described, there's exactly what you brought up, which is the youth component and what it does within the communities to help and not have families have to make that decision. Do I jeopardize my child's dream. If I have a child that is playing at that really high level, do I cart them three hours or four hours to <laughs> soccer practice once, Huge you know, commitment. four nights a week? Yeah. Or do I uproot <laughs> my family mm-hmm. and I, my job and, and move yeah. to support? You know, how many stories have we heard about pro players that families have had to make that choice? That's one of the really awesome things that I think USL does is they provide a player pathway for the rest of the country in these markets 
where you're not going to have a pro, you know, a, a first division pro team like an MLS or an NBA market. And that's just one of the benefits that we're going to see within community involvement. Soccer, more than anything, any other sport, is a grassroots sport. And the sense of community that we're going to drive with, with this club is going to be phenomenal. It's exciting, man. And I'll be honest with you, you know, every time, like, again, my son was on, is on a 2010 team that uh, U13, these kids have been for several years, they've been really good, like some of the best in the state. But the challenge has always been, and we've always, as parents, we've looked and said, man, if we took three of the kids from this other team up here locally and five of the kids from this team and Frankenstein a team together, these kids would be like legit, yep. legit. And, you know, the challenge is when you do that without some type of cohesive aspect of bringing these kids together naturally, it doesn't always work. But when they get to just play in general and just play, you find that it, it just there's it works about out a lot better. And that's what we're hoping for. And I, yeah. I don't know that my yeah. son will benefit from it because, you know, he's had a couple of kids that they've played with. One kid went up to Sporting KC to go into their academy. He's had a couple of players on his team go to ECNL in Tulsa. And literally that is imagine going to school in the morning you know, heading out around 3.30, 4 o'clock in the afternoon, driving to Tulsa for practice, and then around 8.30 at night, driving back from Tulsa, and then wash, rinse, and repeat, doing that every single day, Monday through Friday. And then, oh, by the way, this weekend, we're going to be down in Dallas for exactly. a tournament. Exactly. It, it's a, I had it's, one that did it in Kansas City, same thing. Yeah. So you're spot on. The, the risk, it's, a, it's a recipe for burnout. It is. You know, it yeah. is. And that's the challenge. You'll have great examples of a few that make it through that scenario. And that's just a tremendous network of support that has to happen, families behind it. It's a family commitment. Clint Dempsey uh, was a U.S. national yeah. team player, probably one of the most creative goal scorers ever we had was from Texas, would drive like four hours or something. Nagadocious to yeah, Dallas. To go play with the premier team, right? And yeah. have. But besides that, he grew up in a uh, Hispanic community and was able to play pickup soccer. And that was a big part of his development as well. And right. so that's right. an element that I think we can also enhance and bring by adding some more opportunities to play, some more complexes, some more mini pitches. Those are all things we'd like to do down the road to provide that opportunity. So there's might be some direct benefit for a player like your son immediately, but the long-term benefit of this is massive. They can get exposure, get more knowledge of the game, become fans of the game, become supporters of the team down the road, right? And watch this thing grow. So, yeah, I think, you know, and it's funny because I, I went, I've gone to a couple of division two and division three soccer games for, uh, for college. And, you know, what one of my friends uh, kind of hit me to was the simple fact that, man, some of these teams have guys that are like pros and like are legit, like could beat a, most division one teams. They're that totally. good. And that's, I think that's the nature of soccer around the world is that a lot of young people get developed at in a certain age and then they get over here and they're able to play in division two and division three. And you're thinking, man, how come this, this person should be playing pro and they're that good. And yeah. so it's kind of one of those things. It's like, it's almost like what they're doing now with the G league for basketball. Right. And you don't really like a lot of times these kids that are amazingly talented, they don't even go to college. Right. So it's like uh, they go right to the league or they go right to the G League. And now they're they're creating another supplemental league for these kids to matriculate through that don't want to go to college at all. So it's interesting, I think, to see what's happening. It is. And the college game has changed a lot. It's 
Some would say it's gotten better. Some would say there's challenges with it because it's become so international. Yeah. And so it's actually a lot harder now to play college, especially at a D1 level. I couldn't have played back then if the environment was like now. So I was lucky I got to play at a D1 level. I couldn't have played now because we're bringing on 19, 20, 21, 22 year olds from Europe and Central and South America who have trained in professional environments. Yeah. And they come in as men. Versus a 17-year-old boy that just graduated high school. Right. It's a massive difference. And I don't blame the coaches. They got to win. They got a job. They want to keep it. So I understand it. But it, what it does is it sets up the importance even more for these academies and yeah. the club soccer environment to develop players. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I mean, man, we could talk all day yeah. about this. There's so much. So there's a couple of things I do we'll want to talk about. Yeah, we, we definitely will we'll have a, a part two. This will be a comma, not a period. Chris, could you share just a couple more details about the proposed multi-purpose stadium, and what features can fans expect that make it unique? Yeah, that's great. This is always uh, an exciting part. As you talk to anybody, they start talking about the stadium, and everyone has ideas. It's great. And we listen to a lot of them. So I'll touch on that in a second. So when we first started the process, the main criteria to establish an expansion franchise before you do anything is the location of where you're going to put the stadium. That's usually comes with the most hurdles and challenges because you have to find a location that's in a high traffic area that has some walkability that is located near restaurants and bars, has entertainment around it. Soccer is a two-hour event. Generally speaking, during the regular season, you don't have overtime or penalties. You have a regular game that's going to last two hours. It's not football. It's not baseball, right? When you go to a soccer game, the fan wants to come an hour or two before, maybe go have a drink, maybe go have dinner, maybe go to Top Golf right around the corner, maybe go do some shopping at the promenade, maybe hit Dave and Buster's right there. Maybe go to Rendezvous Junction for a beer before. Then go to the game, enjoy it, have a great event, have a great atmosphere, make it a social event. And then also after the game, be able to go and do some other activities. And so provide a five-hour window of entertainment. And so when I started looking at this process, I was looking for larger complexes that were 30 acres. Maybe we could build fields on top of it and not just a stadium. And those are one, you limit yourself to how many you could find because you're looking for big lots. When Warren be- jumped into the project with me, because he's done it several times, reset, hit the reset button, worked with Colliers and the commercial real estate development company and Steve Lane in particular. And we narrowed down our search to about 15 locations. And those were from all the way north through Centerton and Bentonville, through the middle of Northwest Arkansas, all the way down to Fayetteville. And we just, we reset and we looked in all those locations did some market analysis, started to look at traffic patterns and where are people going? And it was a no-brainer that Pinnacle Hills area was where people go. And not just people, but everybody goes there. All walks of life, all the different communities feel comfortable coming to Pinnacle Hills because it offers so much. It's become, Warren coined this term, the family room of Northwest Arkansas. (laughs) It is. It it. really is. Uh, Mayor Gray Hines actually stole it from him as well. And so we like that term of the family room because People uh, feel comfortable there. They come there for entertainment. You have the amphitheater. I was at a concert last week and it's just such a great environment. People travel multiple hours for these concerts. And we think we have that opportunity because we do have an entertainment gap broader than just Northwest Arkansas. There is an hour and a half window. You could draw a circle around Rogers, the way down to Fort Smith, to Southern Missouri and Eastern Oklahoma. And so once we settled on that location, that really kind of was a game changer because yeah. now we can work on, all right, what do we want the stadium to look like? And what do we actually, what type of product? And the most important thing that we could do 
to have a successful franchise is to make the stadium a multi-use facility. And we don't have anything like that. Outside of University of Arkansas has some great facilities, but it's hard to partner with a university right, that's their right, property, right, right? Right, And so you're not the driver of it. You're a leasee or a partner of it, right? And so that doesn't always work for professional sports teams, right? And so having the location in there in the stadium. So a multi-use facility looks like we start off with 5,000 seats. It built in a modular standpoint, okay? Modular means that we have the opportunity to enhance and expand and grow as the community grows. On the current land, we've already specced a potential stadium out to be more than 15,000 seats if and when we need that. And we So take, it's almost modular. It is. And it's, it, it's, it's in your approach to modular. It, yeah. it's, it's the really, I would say, one, it's a fraction of the cost of a brick and mortar. Two, it gives you the flexibility. The worst thing you could do is build a brick and mortar stadium that's too big and then you don't have a great atmosphere inside. The other end of the spectrum is you build something that's too small and now you have this massive demand and you can't meet it, right? Right. And so the modular gives us the ability. It can be, it's premium. You make it very professional. You have seat backs. We can put VIP access and suites and lounges for our corporate community, but then also have the $12 seats sure. and make it really family friendly and fun and affordable and easy to get to. And again, a two hour window, we're in the location where people can come and spend four or five hours. And so we want this multi-use facility to be not just for soccer. We're the tip of the spear to make this happen. Sure. But well, let's assume we have maybe 20 men's games a year. You have maybe 20 women's games a year. So you have about 40 nights a year okay. that you have activities between preseason games, maybe some cup games. We'll probably do some international games as well and start bringing teams in here in the summer and do all those type of things. So let's say you have those 40 nights. We'd love then to leverage it for high school championships. Because yeah. once you build a soccer field, which is the larger field versus all the other sports, you can easily play American football in there. Yep. You can play lacrosse. We could do rugby. There is discussions that we've had with all these different groups of sports supporters that would like to see things like that. Then you think about NCAA events, Division One, Two, Three, JUCO, NIA, where they host Final Fours and regional events. And we've never had that ability to bring them in. I know we've bid actually several times for our community and we've lost out to Kansas City and other markets, but yeah. that's great exposure for Northwest Arkansas. Puts ourselves on the map nationally, which is something that obviously we all want to do. And then you could use it for multiple tertiary events, corporate events. Bikes, Blues, and Barbecue is now in, in the Rogers, Pinnacle Hills area. We'd build a facility and the structure and the stadium to allow for that flexibility. And so 5,000 start. Long-term vision as the community grows, we grow with it. That's yeah. really the vision. The amphitheater did a great job of that. When you think about the Walmart amphitheater, I think it started at 4,000 or something. And I think now you get maybe 11. Yeah, it's amazing. That number, yeah, but, they've done a good know, job. So And they we, have further room for expansion. They do, so, exactly. Yeah. And so that's why we were so excited about that property and having this opportunity to expand with the community. Well, you know, so based on that, you know, and as I'm thinking about this, so I'm assuming there'll be a, a practice site as well. Yeah, we're working on finding a secondary location. Okay. Uh, the good part about the practice sites is there's still property available and it doesn't have to be in a high traffic area. Yeah. So there's there's multiple options where we're working on practice site and even broader facilities. So Well, and I also think too, as as I'm listening to this, as I'm listening to your vision of what this is going to be, I could also see because of, you know, as Northwest Arkansas continues to expand, maybe little satellite locations that are all USL Arkansas affiliated that do that. Cause that's what sporting, I mean, that's what all the big, I mean, sporting has, they have folks in Springfield and Springfield's not 
close to Kansas City, but they're they're down there, and so they've encircled yeah, the middle they, of the country. Yeah, really, really exactly. Well from yeah, standpoint. and so the possibility yeah. for us to do that here is yeah. really exciting, absolutely. Because you look at what is possible, right? Because yeah. every time I go to places like Overland Park to Shields Complex or to the Striker yeah. Complex out in Wichita, and you're just like. Man, how come we can't have that in Northwest Arkansas? We can. And and we lose a lot of economic dollars every weekend with our parents, families, soccer, baseball, everything, and hotels, hotels, restaurants, entertainment. I mean, it's. They're full during the week, but they're empty on the weekends. Exactly. Yeah. So we have this opportunity to leverage again what we're doing with a professional franchise behind it to drive that opportunity for the young talent to kind of play and then start bringing more and more economic dollars into Northwest Arkansas instead of having it exit. Yeah. Well, before we close up, I do want, I do, you guys issued a press release where you mentioned that a goal for USL Arkansas was to begin play prior to the 2026 FIFA World Cup, which is coming here. And I think Kansas City might be one of the sites. And Dallas, too. And Dallas. Dallas. So, yeah. So, so that's going to be an option. I'm definitely going to be going to some of those games. Could you elaborate on the significance of this timing? Yeah. So, I touched earlier on like the 1990 team, the 94 World Cup in the US, the 96 MLS start. Okay. Those are big, tentpole dates where soccer had kind of these mini explosions. We're literally in the middle of a massive explosion in soccer right now, geared towards the 2026 World Cup. But if you step back to right now, we have the Women's World Cup happening, right? Folks are watching games at 2 a.m. sometimes in America, actually tonight, Tonight. 2 a.m. local time, I believe, right? 2 a.m. Central. Um, Yep. And then so you go to next year, 2024, we're going to have Copa America hosted in the United States. This is massive. This is basically the World Cup minus European teams. Yeah. So Brazil, Colombia, Argentina, Lionel Messi, U.S., Canada, Mexico, Trinidad, Tobago, all of these countries <laughs> get to play in the States. It's kind of a trial run right. in a lot of ways for the World Cup, but the world's focus will be here again. So the explosion of the game is just going to keep continuing. Go forward to 2025. We're going to host again in America the Club World Championship. This is where Real Madrid, Barcelona, Manchester United, Liverpool get to be play for a Club World Championship. Not the countries, but the right, club, club teams. Yeah. And we're going to host this for the first time. I think the event is actually the first time ever, this formal event, if I'm not mistaken. It's, it's the first time in the U.S. for sure. First time in the U.S., yeah. Okay. And so that's just going to take the sport to another level. Then you go to 2026, the World Cup is being hosted in America for the second time. And by the way, the best player in the world is currently playing in America right now. <laughs> you know, some folks might light, know him, Lionel light, light, Messi. Lighting playing, the MLS yeah, on fire. He is, so, playing for I Inter mean, Miami. Oh, the games man. are some of the most watched U- games in U.S. soccer history. Yeah, uh, LeBron James went to the last game. Serena Williams. I mean, you know, it's Mark huge. Anthony, David Beckham, part owner. It's got the superstar name and draw and power, but... It's just also another lever of excitement that's happening in U.S. soccer. So we're literally, we couldn't have, we didn't plan it this way, but we are in the middle of this explosion that's happening. So we want to launch at the latest by March 2025, 26. March 2026 is, and reason it's March, that's when the USL men's calendar starts. So it's always a March that you would start. March 26 gets us in before. If stars align and we can move forward, we might even launch a year earlier than that. But the goal is 26. March 26. Okay, well, I will be there with bells on and and with my new gear, my my new yes. USL Arkansas swag, which <laughs> I really appreciate this. And I like the colors. Was it hard for you to come up with kind of the motif and everything for that? Yeah, yeah no. So we'll, we'll make sure that we get you a 
new and improved scarf when we announce our brand. So this is right now USL Arkansas. Part of the process is we launch, we have kind of a, you know, we, we had our public July 12th announcement to, to all of the world, but to Northwest Arkansas and the community that this is what we're doing. And then now we're literally right in the middle of these listening sessions throughout all corners of, of Northwest Arkansas. And the goal of that is to not ask people, what do you want the team name to be called? What do you want the colors? We're asking people, why do they love living here? Why do they love Northwest Arkansas? Yeah, yeah. What don't you like about Northwest Arkansas? We'll stay away from that. Right. Right. But then we gather all of that insight and all of that emotion and hopefully then can then feed that into the branding process that allows us to tap into the emotion and something that's going to resonate and people are going to rally around because they just told us that this is what they love. Sure. And so that is ultimately what will happen and, and kind of part of the process. So we're a little, little bit of ways away from that, a few months uh, at least, but we'll make sure to come back and get you on. But you can so say that you have an original yeah, well, branding. So you're part of the founder's be a collector's club. item right will, now. Exactly. So, yeah, okay. Exactly. That's, I'm all, you know? that's, I'm and, all and, for that. And just, I guess, a little insight. You know, we called the USL Arkansas purely just to be able to have kind of some national recognition and the feedback from everyone, is, as you know, Randy, is this is Northwest Arkansas. Exactly. Right? Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and like we knew, we know that, we knew that, <laughs> and we envision that's going to have some driving towards, you know, what the brand looks like, what the naming is, what the colors are. If you just go to our social sites, you'll see thousands of points of feedback and ideas. Oh, yeah. And the engagement from the community has just been awesome. So, guys, keep doing that. Go to USLArkansas.com and make sure you sign up, register, and provide your input there because you can vote for Team Colors, Team Name directly on that site. West tracks all of that, puts that into groups. So there's multiple ways to be able to vote. I know there's a lot of fan engagement on social media, and we do look at that and try to monitor it. The best way to do it is go to USLArkansas.com and put that in through that site. And on their West, can they also get information about the listening sessions? They can, yeah. They can sign okay. up to participate in the listening sessions. The portal or, or whatever you want to call it that Chris is referring to, there's a fan zone tab mm -hmm. that has our actual fan survey. Sure. And throughout all of that, there's an actual, literally a checkbox that says, yes, I want to participate in a listening session or I would love to be considered. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, these listening sessions will be going on from now to the end of the summer. So it's I been a really exciting process. I to try to make my process. way to one, not that I don't have a million things on my plate. I like Randy. to come to one. Are you, are you actually doing a listening session for like soccer parents? Or, you know, they certainly come. We're kind of doing kind of general sessions. We're actually doing two in Spanish and oh, trying to do one okay. within um, actually the Marshallese community as sure, well. Sure. So, um, well, yeah. You, and you guys need to coordinate. I need to make sure. I don't know if you've met Francisco Herrero from Banco C, but you guys need to know him because okay. that's the first multilingual bank in the state of Arkansas. Great. And they, you know, awesome. they we've done a lot of work with them. And so. And shout out to Banco C because they've been yeah. so gracious to uh, my son's soccer team as a sponsor. So that's we great. really appreciate them. They are they are an offshoot of Signature Bank of Arkansas. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, there's I just again, it just gets back to it. There are a number of organizations that are here to support what a lot of the things that we're doing. And and, and obviously soccer would be a prime example of that. And I'm going to I'm going to end with this. And I think people need to understand how big soccer is about to become in this country. 
Lionel Messi, who arguably is the greatest soccer player to ever live. Yeah. No okay. argument here. Yeah. yeah. So, no argument so, here either. So but now I'm a Pele guy. This will cause some uproar uh, in the soccer cause community. Some, yeah. Yeah. I'm a Ronaldo Pe- and Maradona. Yeah. Listen, Maradona a, was an so, absolute legend. He was. I put him up he there. Was. You know? I mean, so. well, when I first saw that Pele story in the yeah, movie yeah, i was like yeah. wow you yeah, know just so watching cool. him kick mangoes around Never, and it was yeah. just oh just great insane great story. He, he was a huge contributor to u.s soccer in the 70s right absolutely so, big part absolutely. of where we are today no without a doubt yeah. but i say all that to yep. say is that Lionel messi turned down over a billion dollars to yep. come to the united states yep. Yep. and that should tell anybody <laughs> listening to this what he sees the greatest player right now or the greatest player ever yep. sees as the potential for soccer in the United States. Yep. And I'm just going to leave yep. that right there for people to marinate on, because anytime you see an opportunity to take advantage of, of something that's on the upside, right? We're looking at the growth of soccer in the United States like a hockey stick. And that's kind of it's going to go up and to the right. And so I'm excited to be listening to these stories and sharing stories like this, because We'll look back in a few years and be like, remember when we talked about USL Arkansas and now look where it is and people are coming to games on a regular basis and pinnacles filling up every night that there's a game. And and even on the nights when there aren't a game, people just want to be in that area. You just don't understand what the economic impact will be. And so I applaud, I applaud you and your team. And so between you, Warren and Wes, I really appreciate the fact that you were willing to as they like to say, get out of the boat <laughs> and test the waters and see what would happen. And, and now look where we are. And so I wish you nothing but success. My platform is your platform. If you ever need anything, I'm always here to help as far as that's concerned. But I'm excited to see the arc of growth for uh, USL Arkansas and what you guys are going to do. So count myself as a fan. And um, like I said, I really appreciate you guys taking time out of your schedule to come on and be with us today. Uh, so excited to be here. Thanks so much for the platform, Randy. Absolutely. Thanks. Thanks Thank you guys so much. And we'll make sure we get uh, all of your contact information on our show notes. So anybody listening to this that wants to connect with them, we said it was going to be 30 minutes. It's yeah. been 54, but that's fine. It's <laughs> and just we got way, part two as well. And, and we got part two as well. Yeah, we will come back for a part two because yeah. there will definitely be more to talk about. But thank awesome. you guys both so very Thanks, much Randy. for coming Thanks, on the podcast. Randy. Thank you. Absolutely. Well, folks, there you have it. Another episode of I Am Northwest Arkansas. I am so excited to see USL Arkansas soccer program start up. I cannot wait. I, I'm going to get tickets. I will be a season ticket holder. I will take my kids to the games. And, and I'm encouraging you as you hear more about this opportunity, as you hear more about this program, this new team starting up right here in Northwest Arkansas, please support them in any way that you can. And recognize that this is going to truly make a difference for Northwest Arkansas as we continue to grow. We are one of the fastest growing MSAs in the country. 36 new people a day move to Northwest Arkansas. And that's only going to get, it's only going to grow. I mean, we're going to hit that million mark, I think, well before 2045. So, you know, just strap in because it's going to be an interesting few years coming up. So, but anyway, I appreciate all of you guys listening. Thank you for Tribe. I am Northwest Arkansas. I appreciate you guys supporting us. Please continue to to rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to it. And remember, our podcast comes out rain or shine every Monday. I'm your host, Randy Wilburn, and we will see you back here next week for another new episode of the I Am Northwest Arkansas podcast. Peace. We hope you enjoyed this episode of I Am Northwest Arkansas. Check us out each and every week, available anywhere that great podcasts can be found. For show notes or more information on becoming a guest, 
visit IamNorthwestArkansas.com. We'll see you next week on I Am Northwest Arkansas.